Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. Today, we explore the Ivy League, but before we do that, uh, welcome if you're brand new. Here's what this show is all about. It's a show which explores how some of the most interesting or innovative or exciting brands of today become more authentic through mobilizing their masses. Oftentimes, that means their consumers, but today we talk a lot more about students and alumni. I'm on with Harvard Business School and their chief marketing officer, Brian Kenny. We talk a lot about what it means to market a school, how Brian has done so over his last dozen years at the Post at Harvard, and that includes times of recession, times of crisis, as well as times of great bull markets and when entrepreneurship is at an all-time high. We also talk about how he leverages alumni stories and their generosity to further the brand and lets me know a little bit about what qualities make those standout leaders so remarkable. And of course, we end with advice on how to build better brands. So I can't wait to have you hear that. It was personally really great for me to talk to Brian. I went to the college, so as a former student, I'm, I'm a little bit biased. And our founder, Catherine Hayes, attended HBS. So this was just a really fun interview to do because it struck so close to home. So I hope you end up enjoying this as well. And also at the end, there's a recommendation for another podcast that you need to listen to, his. So be sure to watch out for that. But I'll step away for now and let him tell you the story of Harvard himself. So without further ado, here's today's interview with, from Harvard Business School, Brian Kenny. All right, everybody, I'm here with Brian Kenny from Harvard Business School, and I'm really interested in this particular interview because I've never spoken with anybody from an educational institution. So first off, Brian, how are you doing? Thank you for coming to the show today. I'm doing great, Adam. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm glad to be talking to you. And what, what a way for me to introduce edu- educational institutions to the podcast for, you know, of course, at least in my opinion, the number one school ever, of course, having been there and graduated from there, not HBS, but the college. I'm a little biased, but you're slightly biased. Yeah. I'm slightly biased, but I feel like I'm starting at the tippy top. And let's start with you at, at the helm of, of the brand. I, uh, I got actually I got a ton of questions about it, and it's it's perhaps out of ignorance that I have those questions, but at least curiosity. So. First off, I know you've been at HBS for a long, long time. I want to know what uh, what got you into leading marketing for educational institutions, and then, of course, what has kept you at HBS all these years. Yeah, so happy to happy to touch on that. I, I've had a an interesting journey, I guess, interesting to me, maybe. I don't know if your listeners will find it as interesting, but there's not a <clears throat> there's not a, a sort of uh, obvious path to what I've done. Um, and in fact, I never intended to go into marketing, um, and to this day, I've never had a marketing class. So that might make me different than other CMOs. Uh, I was a political science major actually in college and I thought I was gonna go into the foreign service uh, and was basically taking a a hiatus year um, between graduating and applying to graduate schools uh, in, in Washington, D.C., which is, you know, the place you want to be if you're going into the Foreign Service. Yep. And I got a job at a, at a marketing firm. Um, and I had never considered marketing, but uh, it was a safe port at that time. And, um, and uh, my job was a, as an account executive to sell the services of the firm. But I also, because it was a small shop, um, got my hand involved in strategy and creative. And, uh, and I really loved it. I, I was uh, so enamored by it that I decided I was going to stay for another year. Uh, and that turned into a career decades later. So um, uh, the the way I got into marketing for education is that I wanted to go back to school 
a couple of years into working at this marketing firm and I just didn't have time to do it if I was going to continue to work there. The, the hours were too demanding. So I got a job at a small college in the south end of Boston, still exists to this day, called the Benjamin Franklin Institute of Technology. Uh, and I was the only person there that had any marketing experience. So I wound up you know, playing roles in admissions and financial aid and career placement and foreign student placement and, and basically played all the different administrative roles that you could imagine in a school and loved the setting and the atmosphere. And that was the beginning of my, uh, my career as a marketing uh, person for educational institutions. Over the years, I have stepped in and out of higher ed. Uh, I've worked in high tech. I've worked in uh, professional services firms. Uh, and I, I ended up back in higher ed uh, after having worked at a firm called the Monitor Group uh, in a consulting firm in, in Massachusetts. Uh, and the opportunity to work at Northeastern University came up. Uh, and Northeastern was the first school that I know of in the Boston area that had really invested in bringing in uh, a chief marketing person, somebody to really think about the brand and how it's perceived in the world and to manage the brand. And they were funding it uh, appropriately and, and uh, it was in the right level to report it to the president. So I thought, you know, this might be a good time to step back into higher ed. Um, and had a great run at Northeastern, which is a terrific place. The opportunity for Harvard came up about four years into my role at Northeastern. And I looked at that as, first of all, something you, you really couldn't pass up. It's I think it's the pinnacle brand. Harvard is the pinnacle brand in education, and HBS is the pinnacle brand in, in management schools. Uh, and it, it, to me, felt like coming full circle, all of the experience that I that I had in, in management consulting, understanding business issues and the things that C-level executives think about all the time, and then working with the faculty at a place like Harvard Business School who are so instrumental in shaping uh, you know, how, how managers deal with those issues. It felt like my worlds were colliding in a good way. And 12 years later, I'm still feeling that way. So, uh, so it's been a good run. It, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously with a 12 year run plus that already blows every average CMO tenure, especially nowadays out of the water. So congrats on that. If I might do a little bit of math here, though, that meant that you'll have started at Harvard right around 2008, right when a lot of businesses were going through struggles as a part of the recession. How do you think coming in during a sort of business crisis helped shape the first few years of how you market an institution like Harvard? And how did that change once we moved into a very successful bull market over the next, oh, I don't know, 10, 9, 10 years after that? Yeah, yeah, your math is correct. So I started in April of 2008. Uh, and as we all know, in September of 2008, Lehman Brothers uh, failed, and then we saw the beginning of the, the world economic collapse. It was a really interesting time to be at Harvard Business School. It was the 100th anniversary of the school, so we had been doing a, a year's worth of celebrations, and it was all going to culminate in October with a major event on campus where we invited 5,000 faculty, uh, 5,000 alumni rather, back to the school for three days worth of uh, you know panel sessions and discussions with all the business luminaries you could imagine, uh, you know, uh, people like Bill Gates and uh, Jeff Immelt and people who were leading, you know, the major, um, major firms in the world at the time. And literally a month before that event was set to launch was when the Lehman thing happened and things started to tumble. Uh, the first, so Lehman's I think failed on a Friday evening. That's when the news first came out. The following Monday morning, uh, the first meeting that I had was with the dean. Uh, Jay Light was the dean of the school at the time, and the discussion was about, okay, what do we do? How do we 
think about our brand and Harvard Business School in this kind of a crisis that started on Wall Street, where business people are at the center of the crisis, many of them, by the way, that had connections back to the school. And Jay's reaction was consistent with the kind of reaction I still experience to this day, which was, we need to be accountable. Uh, we know a lot of people are going to look at us, uh, both for answers to how we get out of this mess, but also answers as to how we got into it. And we need to think about whether or not we played any kind of a role. And then we need to think about how we can help stop the hemorrhaging and help the country get back on track. So HBS played a, a very active role behind the scenes at that time. Our faculty were you know, deep into research about looking for causation and then looking for solutions. Uh, our alumni, we were engaged uh, regularly in conversations with, you know, Hank Paulson was a graduate of the school. So there, were, there was a lot of activity with our alumni who were directly in the middle of this thing. And then when that event happened in October, we turned all of the sessions to the crisis and what was happening and how we could think about it. And so for the first couple of years that I was at the school, that was kind of the tone and tenor. And as the steward of the brand, I spent a fair amount of time, I think, trying to defend um, Harvard Business School. Um, we were uncomfortable a lot of that time because we had to think about what our role was in that. But very quickly, we were able to start also being constructive and having a constructive dialogue and facilitating um, you know, the kinds of conversations that would lead to solutions. Um, so that was sort of that period. Uh, as you say uh, correctly in the time since then, it's been, the, you know, the, the, the world has settled down, the economy came back, you know, we found ourselves certainly thriving in terms of faculty research. Um, entrepreneurship took a major place in the, in the culture of the school. Lots of students coming in with big ideas about one of the, what they wanted to do. And this generation of students that we've had in the time that I've been there, I think is probably somewhat different than generations before them. They don't have a set plan for what they're gonna do when they get out. They want to broaden their minds. They wanna think about what the possibilities are. They want to build networks while they're there, and then they want to go out and do great things and contribute value to the world. I think we find ourselves at another interesting moment with the coronavirus uh, crisis that's happening, this pandemic. Um, we are facing a health crisis and a fiscal crisis at the same time. We've never been tested like this before. But I can tell you that at the business school, we are already in the thick of it, trying to think about how do we help people turn the corner on this thing and how do we help the, the, the global economy start to get back into shape. Let me talk a little bit about that wave of entrepreneurship through the 2010s. In that time, I can imagine it was quite a bit different from marketing HBS at the very beginning of your tenure. And that's probably good that it happened then, not for the world, but at least for your experience. As I heard very recently, calm seas don't make for good captains. So had to round out your experience in management there and never having taken a marketing class before. I'm sure that was probably one of the best classes of all to take in real life. Since then, this incredible growth happened, of course, coronavirus notwithstanding. And people flocked to Harvard because they had those big ideas and they wanted to start those big businesses and they wanted to be massive successes. As a marketer, how, I mean, it, isn't it kind of, doesn't it sell itself in, in, a, in a way? Because you see all these experiences of all these great stories and all these great people that come through. I mean, how do you sell Harvard? You really need to? I mean, I, I'm curious as to how you, how you approach, how you approach that, because to me, it would seem obvious. It's like, yo, if you can get in, mm -hmm. go for it. 
this is my my job justification question. I get this all the time. When I when I first got the job, my mother was, <laughs> you know, she was elated. Uh, I grew up in Arlington, Massachusetts, 20 minutes from Harvard Yard, and uh, we didn't know anybody who went to Harvard. It was like that, you know, place on a hill. <clears throat> so when I was right. able to join uh, the staff there, uh, she was elated. But shortly uh, after her celebratory remarks, she said, "So tell me again why Harvard needs a chief marketing officer." And I think it's a fair question. Um, I think what people uh, see when they look at Harvard Business School is the visibility of the brand, uh, the recognition that the brand has in the world through 100 now, 112 years of, um, you know, putting forth an excellent educational product and putting forth, uh, you know, thought leadership that's unparalleled, I think, by other schools, uh, other management schools. So that that reputation is well deserved. Uh, at the same time, uh, Harvard is a charged brand. You would know this having gone to this gone to school there. People that that are affiliated with Harvard, graduates of the school, people who work there, faculty, are aware of the fact that you know um, some people see it, uh, you know, with with great admiration, and other people see it with some level of resentment, and some people are kind of stuck in the middle. So a big part of what I see my job as being is to help people understand the true. Uh, the truth of what happens at Harvard Business School and help knock down those false perceptions that they might have. If you were to ask five different people what they think about when they think of Harvard Business School, I can assure you some of them would say, you know, leadership, excellence, that's all good. Some of them would say arrogance, elitism, greed. Um, and, and those are perceptions that exist in the world, um, partly driven by popular media and other things, but also partly driven by the fact that we've had alumni who have gone on to be hugely successful financially. Um, you know, those people are, in my experience, generous in ways that people don't understand. So they see the wealth, but they don't see the generosity on the other side of that. In fact, so much of the school's success is based on the generosity of our alumni who help us to achieve our mission by their generous donations. So I think as a CMO, I feel like I have to tell the story of what's happening at Harvard Business School every day so that people can see the truth of what drives our students, what drives our faculty to do the work they do, and what the impact of that work is in the world in terms of creating prosperity and creating value for people uh, every day. Um, so, so I think that's why my role exists. And I will tell you that, you know, in terms of entrepreneurship, we're known a lot better for the ones that got away. You know, Bill Gates left, Mark Zuckerberg left. So in the last decade, we've been able to start to really build some credibility uh, with the entrepreneurial community in ways that we, you know, so that we obviously weren't able to do before. Uh, and so this whole thing of entrepreneurship is not new as a subject at the school. In fact, the entrepreneurship, as people understand it today, started at Harvard Business School, but we've never been known for it. People think of MIT and they think of Stanford, both great institutions, but they don't necessarily think of Harvard Business School and we want them to. Interesting. You brought up a number of points that I guess I didn't think about. Of course, uh, lamenting the ones who got away is an interesting thought, but also, I, and I should have known this, but like the thoughts from uh, there, there's another color to those thoughts again around that elitism and greed. I, I too soon forget that during my time at the college, Occupy Wall Street was a thing. Occupy Harvard became a thing. And there was a great deal of resentment, which was, you know, I thought it was a little weird because it was like even from students. And I was like, well, why are you here? But, you know, that was just me. Uh, that was just my thoughts. And um, 
it's an interesting question then as a marketer. Let me let me ask you about the the generosity of the alumni and those those incredible stories and those incredible people. Because on this show, normally I'm talking to like individual brands and businesses, and we talk about how consumers can be a great channel for growth. Now, now in this case, it sounds like the students and the alumni are a great channel for generosity. And of course, that means growth and prosperity for Harvard. But maybe in terms of the way in which stories of alumni are cast out, as in brought out to the market, how do you, how do you, I guess, I don't know what the right word is here, but how do you make a programmatic out of that? Like, how do you take these incredible stories and weave them into the HBS story to entice people to maybe think about Harvard in the same way as they would an MIT or a Stanford, as you just described? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good question. I think um, I look at our alumni as the best example of our product, right? Uh, these are people who come here to Harvard. They spend two years. You know, we are one of the last um, MBA programs that is only offered as a two-year residential program. Um, you know, we've also got a, a very large executive education program where 12,000 uh, people who are already in the workforce are coming to spend either a few days or in some cases, seven or eight weeks at the school, um, you know, sort of uh, continuing their lifelong learning, which I think is something that, you know, people who are truly successful understand the importance of continually learning throughout their throughout their careers. But if you look at the, um, we, we spend a fair amount of time telling stories about the impact that our alumni have in the world. So it's not just, you know, let us tell you about this great person. It's, it's let us tell you about this person who has taken their education and applied it in a way that is creating value for the world, um, having an impact that's going to have a positive impact. Our, our mission statement, which um, you've probably had a lot of CMOs on, and uh, I don't know if you ask them what their their mission statement is. Some mission statements can be like the kitchen sink. You know, everything is is thrown in there to lots make sure of, they cover lots all of buzzwords the bases. And yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, ours is um, we educate leaders who make a difference in the world. That's it. Um, the difference is understood to be positive. Uh, you know, some people have said, oh, don't you want to say positive? And I'm like, no, I think you know, we certainly uh, believe that our, our alumni, um, by and large, are making a positive difference in the world. But that's a, that's a mission statement that everybody can immediately understand and, and get behind. And then our job as marketers is to bring that mission to life and to tell stories that animate it. And uh, we have no shortage with 85,000 alumni in the world. Uh, we have no shortage of great stories to tell. Um, so, so really, that's I mean, and and I think for us, it's never told in a in a bragging way. It's not sort of like you know they went to Harvard and therefore they can do this. These are remarkable people. They were remarkable before they came to Harvard. It's uh, it's not an easy place to get into, um, and once you get there, it's not an easy place to stay because we work our students really hard. But I think you would find that our alumni feel like they leave different than the way they came in. Uh, and they leave much more capable as decision makers and people who can lead others through difficult times. And if you can achieve that, then you know there's gonna be some great impact on the other side of that. Um, so that's what we try to do. I have to ask then for maybe an example or two of somebody particularly remarkable that you came across and you have come across during your dozen years or so, because I want to peel back the onion a little bit and learn, well, what, just what about them makes those folks so remarkable? I, of course, 
uh, with the Harvard pedigree or, or not, as you said, they come in remarkable. Um, and you're right. I have talked to plenty of CMOs, some of which you've come through HBS. And so I think I have a picture a little bit. And of course, I have plenty of experience on my own from the college. But I'm curious if you have an example or two of what of what makes the really standout stories and people tick. Yeah, of course. Um, so and I want to I want to also be clear about the fact that, you know, we're known for um, people like uh, Jeff Immelt or Hank Paulson, who are both of whom I mentioned before. These are people who who very visibly led large organizations um, uh, very successfully through their through their careers. And those folks are important. Those are, you know, uh, unquestionably uh, the kinds of people we want to count among our alumni ranks. But just as important as them are people who are leading in their community uh, or they're leading small firms. Uh, they're helping to create jobs at the local level. All of these people are important stories, and we try to tell the full breadth of those. So one of the people that I'll that I would point out is uh, Sal Khan of Khan Academy. Um, you know, here's a person who started off as a I think he was in the investment world, um, and I don't know if people know what Khan Academy is. So just very quickly, it's a he, he started a, a a site where you could, as a student, log in and you could watch him do a whiteboard lesson of you know algebra one, or you pick your subject. He's got now thousands and thousands of lessons uh, on the Khan Academy site where students can go primary all the way to secondary uh, and they can learn about top topics and this and this is done in a way that aligns with whatever the curriculum is uh, in in where you're living so so Sal Khan um, took a very simple idea which was to help his niece uh, and her algebra classmates with understanding some algebra concepts and saw that just by doing this, which was helping them, he could scale this in a way that could change education as we know it today. And he's done that. He's uh, he's now been invested in by the Gates Foundation uh, and Microsoft, and he is uh, he is changing the way that we that we learn. Uh, many schools have sort of flipped what they're doing, where they'll have students watch a Khan Academy video uh, when they're in, in at home, and then they'll come into school, and the teachers will walk them through what they learned in the video. So, so, so Sal Khan is a great example of somebody who took his understanding of management uh, and finance and turned it into something that's a game changer in the world of education. Um, so, I think that's that's indicative uh, of what we're talking about when we talk about having a great impact. Um, we have alumni, if you were to look across, uh, we actually did an impact study um, about six years ago, I want to say, that looked across Harvard University, but we looked also specifically at the business school. We wanted to understand what the economic and social impact of Harvard Business School was in the world. And the way that we could measure that was to look at founders, people who came in and started their own firms and therefore created jobs and created prosperity for people. And also what kind of volunteer activity uh, our graduates were doing in the world, helping out on boards and you know, working in the education and nonprofit fields. The, um, if we just looked at the economic value alone at this time four or five years ago, it was $2.4 trillion worth of economic value through founders alone. That doesn't even take into account people like the Jeff Immelts who were leading organizations that had hundreds of thousands of employees. This is just founders. So if you look at our ability to create economic prosperity in the world, and then you also look at um, the boards of universities and hospitals and nonprofits across the country, 70% of our alumni were sitting on boards at that time. 
volunteering, many of them. Some of them were, were uh, you know, on paid boards, but they were all using their management education as a way to provide counsel uh, to firms that needed help uh, in some way. So you've got plenty of examples there. And you know what I really liked about um, I mean, what you've just noted, but the story about Sal Khan as well. I think it relates well, listeners, I can go on a brief 30 second here uh, to you. You know, that's an example. And, and it's the first person that Brian thought of here, somebody who began a brand and, and a business around a, a very authentic purpose. Now I get to throw the name in here a little bit, but I mean, these are people who are staying true to themselves and know, you know what, what they are. And it's out of a genuine need to help somebody and make that difference as, as Brian said. So, you know, I think it applies just as well when you're talking about famous alumni or you're talking about a great brand initiative. Um, you know, some of the same principles apply there. So Brian, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, let me, uh, well, I want to, I, I want to round out here. Listeners, is no, they, they know this is coming. I, I want to round this out with some, with some advice. I, I think the advice is going to be a little bit different though here. Maybe typically I ask folks on the show to come in and give advice about how to build a more authentic brand. And that's, it's interesting because like the stories that you bring up, you know, everybody who comes through, it seems that turn into a massive success are going to be genuine and authentic people, charitable people, as you said, generous people. And by the way, the reason I do this is because the folks that listen into this show are marketers themselves. They're looking to turn to the best and figure out from all walks of life, from all industries, how to build better businesses themselves. And so I would be remiss not to ask you for that advice about maybe just how to build, hmm, maybe how to build a brand that shines light on the positive while trying to strip away negative perceptions. How about that? I wonder if you have any like key pieces of advice or watershed moments during your dozen years at Harvard or time prior to that, which has helped to guide you in that way. I hope I was wondering if you could enlighten on that. Sure. And one of the things I would say, um, you know, I tell my team all the time that our job is to tell the story of what's happening at, at Harvard Business School. And there's no better way for us to do that and to knock down those negative perceptions that I that I spoke about than by surfacing the true voices of uh, our students and our faculty and our alumni. And it's worth noting that when I started at Harvard Business School, Facebook, I think, was two years old. Twitter launched the year that I started. So the notion of social media was in its infancy at that time. So we've kind of grown up uh, you know, with social media and I've always seen it as a, as a tremendous um, advantage for us as a brand that for so long had been shrouded in mystique. And you know, frankly, that worked for us for a long time, right? You know, what, we don't know what happens at Harvard Business School, but boy, they're producing some amazing people. And you know, um, I think that notion of being opaque for, for a long time worked in our favor. But you can't do that today. You have to be transparent. You have to be engaged. And social media has allowed us to open the doors to Harvard Business School in ways that we never could have without it. And um, I actually, I host a, a podcast. I'm going to shamelessly plug go my ahead. podcast. No, go out. for it. This is, this is smart. This is my, these are podcast listeners. I'm a marketing guy. Uh -huh. So I host a podcast called Cold Call. Uh, where I interview Harvard Business School faculty about business cases they've written. Harvard Business School is well known for business cases. We teach by the case method. Uh, and a cold call is when a faculty member walks in the room at the beginning of class and points to one student and says, start the class for us. 
And if you haven't read the case, then it's a terrifying moment for you. And it's the one thing that ties all the generations of Harvard Business School students together. They remember when they got cold called that first time. And so we started the podcast about four years ago. And my intent in, in starting it um, was to give our faculty an opportunity to bring their voice directly to people's ears. So you could hear that they're not stodgy, old, kind of backwards faculty. These are uh, dynamic, passionate people, and they love the cases they write. And these cases are super relevant because we have been criticized in the past. The case method has been in some, in some ways looked at as a liability because people say, well, you can't teach accounting through the case method. That's ridiculous. And you can't teach finance. You know, you need to lecture somebody on this stuff. And uh, that's easy to, to believe until you hear a, a faculty member talk about an accounting case that they wrote where, you know, some accountant somewhere is facing an ethical decision that they have to make. And you can get into all the principles that you need to. And when you hear that faculty member talking about it, it knocks down a lot of negative perceptions. Same is true with, uh, you know, if you look at the kind of things that we're doing on on Facebook or Instagram, uh, you know, we're, we're bringing uh, student voices to the surface so you can see what motivates them. These are people who are accomplished, but they're not arrogant. You know, they, they are ambitious. They are ambitious in a way that they want to uh, create value, not just for themselves, but for other people. They want to accomplish big things. And Harvard Business School is the kind of platform that will allow them to do that. So I think that my advice to somebody who's looking to understand how they create an authentic brand, it's kind of, you know, let your customers and your stakeholders be part of your branding program. You know, don't don't tell, show, um, because for a long time, brands just told customers what they thought they wanted to hear or needed to hear. And now, even though it might be a little uncomfortable at times, we're allowing the true voices of our community to come to the surface and we're allowing them to represent the brand in a very authentic way. Let me add to that just a little bit, folks, because here's some here's some also some good advice. Go download his podcast, won't you? Can you say what the name of the podcast is again, just for the listeners? And I'm going to put links to it in the show. The podcast is Cold Call and you'll find it. it we actually launched, uh, we, we, we produce it uh, at the school, but we launch it through the Harvard Business Review uh, platform, their, their network. Uh, and they've got some other great podcasts there too that feature uh, people from Harvard. So um, I think I think your listeners would like a 20-minute business cases where you walk away with some really solid advice uh, that might change the way you do your job. So there you go. Why would you not do that? So of course, the advice you gave there was was fantastic, Brian. I, I, I think it's a well-deserved plug though too for the show. And, uh, and, and for this, Thank you for coming on and, and teaching me how marketing works at, at any school. And yes, to work with the Pinnacle brand is certainly certainly a, a great experience. And I'm glad to have hosted Harvard here on the show. So Brian, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Adam. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much to Brian Kenny from Harvard Business School for joining the show today. It was a really wonderful way to get introduced into how to market educational institutions and to start at the tippy top was a real treat. So again, thanks very much. If you enjoyed this show, here's what you can do. LinkedIn is a great place to be. It's where I am most of the time. It's also where this show is. Authentic Influence Podcast is the showcase page which you can follow. It's where all of our shows go. It's also where clips from the show go and other relevant tidbits about us as we continue to grow. And of course, once we're all allowed out of our homes, it'll be the place where we'll talk about live events too, which I'm really excited about. 
You can also look at our website, podcast.vavoom.co. A digest of all of our episodes is there, as well as on the podcast directories from which you likely got today's episode. iTunes, Spotify, Google, dot, dot, dot. If you feel so inclined, leave a public rating and review there too. Any recommendation for how to improve, I'm pretty much going to take it. I'll be back again in just a few days' time with another fantastic episode about how a brand or institution is becoming more authentic by mobilizing its masses each and every day. And until then, for Authentic Influence, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and you'll hear from me again next time.